a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. At SLRC, they understand your dream to move. Moving up, moving on, moving your body, moving mountains. SLRC can help you find the focus to define your finish line. As a top 10 run shop in America, they use their 25 years of experience to provide custom shoe fit analysis and offer a premium assortment of footwear and workout essentials. Locally owned, locally operated. SLRC is movement inspired. Visit saltlakerunning.com to schedule your shoe fitting today. Hosts of Eden Season 2, Episode 8, Escalation. Last time on Hosts of Eden Season 2, the team learned more about the strange fear that had been stolen and their suspect added to his ranks by transferring something or someone into five bodies. We still find our team back at headquarters. It's late at night. Marion and Mason are in bed talking to each other about the events of the day. Marion exclaims, well, the one thing I can tell you is that this is not how I envisioned my formative years. You mean you didn't see yourself traveling the globe, fighting the forces of evil to protect your own alien race, Mason says? They both laugh. Marion takes a more serious tone. Actually... I kind of pictured myself with a bright career, the man of my dreams, and maybe even a few kiddos. Mason, sensing Marion's meaning, they've had this conversation before. I wanted, I wanted children too, Marion. But how do we do that now? What, do we just call the babysitter every time the president wants us to run out the door? Remember, that's, that's why we got Charlie. Mason points to the foot of their bed, where there's a pretty good-sized sheepdog sleeping. Mason brought the dog home a few weeks ago after he found it wandering around the streets. Marion named it Charlie after her childhood dog who disappeared one day without a trace. The dog basically sleeps and eats. He hardly even knows anyone else is around. Marion says, I know, I know... I'm not sure I realized what I was signing up for here. Did you? Maybe there'll be a time when things have calmed down a bit and we can think about it. Absolutely, Mason says. Besides, you've already had two children besides Charlie. How so, Marion asks. Well, there was Shelby, and now you have Colby. Two perfect little girls. Marion grabs a pillow and hits Mason in the head. Just then, the bedroom door opens. Mason and Marion are stunned, and they sit up in their bed. 
To their surprise, there's Johnny standing in the doorway. He's only wearing his boxer shorts, and he looks completely disheveled. What is it, Johnny? Marion asks. Is everything okay? Johnny looks very confused. Can you direct me to the cafeteria? I seem to have lost my way. And my clothes. Mason is confused. What are you talking about, Johnny? You must be sleepwalking. Go back to bed. Who is this Johnny you speak of? Johnny explains. Look, this is very important. I know I shouldn't have, but I took the sphere with me to the cafeteria. I like to see how it reacts around other people. And, well, I must have left it there because I've looked everywhere and I can't think of... Well, I promise it won't happen again. Marion and Mason jump out of bed, realizing that they're not talking to Johnny. They're talking to the expert from the base. Marion grabs a robe and puts it around the expert and then invites him to sit down on the edge of the bed. Mason suggests they need to find out everything he knows about the Bell Sphere as fast as they can before the expert disappears. But Marion disagrees and convinces Mason that they need to tell the expert about being trapped inside of Johnny with the hopes that they can get access to the expert whenever they need him. She instructs Mason to go and get a glass of water. You're Mr. Sims, right? Howard Sims, Marion asks. Yes, yes, quite right. I, I know I said I, I wouldn't lose the sphere again, but we'll never know exactly what it is unless we think outside the box. Don't worry, Marion says. We were sent here to help you find the sphere. Everything's going to be okay. Howard Sims, or Johnny Sims, as we'll call him from now on, seems reassured and drinks from the glass of water that Mason has brought. Marion now asks, Now, Howard, before we can talk about the sphere, I have to tell you that something has happened to you. You were almost killed. Oh, really? Johnny Sims asks. What happened? I have to tell you that I'm feeling great. Like I'm a new man or something. So whatever happened, it couldn't have been that bad. Howard, Marion says, someone came to steal the sphere and you tried to stop them. Why don't I remember, Johnny Sims says. Well, there was a blast, some type of shockwave. We thought you were dead. Johnny Sims smiles. Well, don't don't worry, sweetie. I'm obviously doing just fine. No, you're not, Marion says. Mr. Sims... I'm going to show you something, and I want you to try to remain calm. He agrees, and Marion gets up and brings a handheld mirror from the bathroom. Something happened in the blast, she explains. You were literally shocked out of your old body and into the body you're in now. She hands him the mirror, preparing for a total mental breakdown. He holds the mirror up to his face and peers at the face looking back. He touches his face with his new hands and studies it for a few moments. Fascinating, he says. What happened to my body? It died, Mason says. It's being held at the military base. And this body, Johnny Sims asked. Who did I kick out of this one? Marion explains. No, actually, you're sharing that body with a man named Johnny. It's okay, though. He knows you're here. He's okay with it. 
Johnny Sims finishes the water in the glass. Other than extreme thirst, he doesn't seem to be that phased by what he's just learned. Do you think that this Johnny will mind if I stay here for a little while? Johnny Sims asks. Apparently, I've got nowhere else to go. Marion is grateful that she doesn't have to deal with another freakout from someone who's just learned that life on Earth is not quite what it seems. She decides that because Howard has handled this so well, that she might as well explain their entire predicament with him. He listens intently with great fascination, believing every single word. Meanwhile, we find our suspect and his five new friends entering a gun shop. As they enter, the gun shop owner is behind the counter. He's helping a customer. Our suspect walks in the door with his five companions. They act like they're browsing, but in truth, they're just waiting for the last customer to leave. One of them is standing outside the shop telling anyone trying to come in that they've had an emergency and that the store was temporarily closed. When the last remaining customer leaves the shop, our suspect approaches the clerk and says, where's the really good stuff? As he places a large sum of cash on the counter, the store owner looks around and makes sure that no one else is in the store and then signals them to follow to the back of the store. He opens up a thermostat controller on the wall and enters a code, which causes a panel in an adjacent wall to open. Behind the panel is a large stockpile of automatic weapons, tactical gear, and ammunition. Without warning, our suspect touches the ong to the back of the store owner's neck, taking over his body and sending his old body to the ground, dead. The group begins to grab as much as they can of the stockpile and load it into a van that has now pulled up to the back of the building. From there, they go to a remote location where our suspect teaches the group how to use their newly acquired gear. Back at Covenant headquarters, Marion receives a phone call from the president indicating that they believe their suspect is struck again this time at a nearby gun shop. The group immediately makes preparations to head to the gun shop as they all pile into the back of an SUV. Colby starts to complain. Ha ha, he says, funny, funny. I'm not riding a no booster seat. Marion responds calmly. It's for your own safety. If we end up in some kind of high-speed chase, that normal seatbelt will not protect you. Colby again. Nope, I'm not doing it. I am not sitting in a booster seat. Marion responds, you either ride in that booster seat or you stay here. I'm not taking more chances than we need to. Colby gives in reluctantly and climbs up into the booster seat. Mason chuckles as Colby struggles to figure out how to buckle himself in. Oh, you better stop, Colby says. They drive off towards the gun shop. A few moments later, they arrive on the scene. There's crime tape set up around the perimeter. Mason shows an officer on the perimeter his ID, and they all get waved in. At least until Colby, the little girl, tries to enter, and the officer stops it. 
I'm sorry, I can't let children in here, he says. It's all right, Marion says. She's part of the team. Trust me. She has credentials. Colby holds out his credentials, which show the picture of the little girl on them. The officer is confused, but allows her to enter. Inside, they are briefed by the lead investigator. He explains that the surveillance video shows a group of men enter the store, go into the back room, and then one of them falls dead to the ground. His body still remains at the scene. And then the store owner helps him load up the weapons cache and leaves with the other suspects. Marion, Mason, and Johnny follow the officer to the back room where the weapons were stored. Colby decides to stay behind in the front of the store and is reviewing the video footage. Mason asks, do we know what types of weapons they got away with? The investigator responds, the owner didn't keep any records that we could find, but they were definitely illegal. According to the video footage, it looks like a lot of assault-style weapons, ammunition, and tactical gear. They packed it up and went through the back door. Is there any video footage of the back alley, Mason asks. Meanwhile, Colby's still up front looking at the video footage. He rewinds it back even more and looks at the activities of the suspects when they were in the front of the store. He notices something that concerns him. While the other suspects went into the back room, the one who was watching the door enters the store, locks the front door, turns off the open sign, and then opens up a large black bag, reaches his hand in, and then zips up the bag and places the object on one of the shelves in the store. Kobe looks around and sees the object, or box, still sitting there, undisturbed. He immediately runs to the back of the store and tries to talk to Marion and Mason. Guys, guys, he says, we have to get out of here. The others ignore him. Urgently, he starts pulling on Marion's clothes. Guys, guys, hey, we have to get out of here. Hang on, Marion says. We're having an important conversation to here. Just wait. Colby is convinced their life is in danger, so he kicks Mason in the shin as hard as he can. What are you doing, Mason asks. We have to go. I think they left a bomb. Marion says, what? No time to explain. We have to go, Colby demands. They all start to run towards the back of the door. Just as they get through the door, there is a large boom, sending flames and debris everywhere. They are all knocked to the ground and covered in parts of the building and debris. As they begin to stand up and brush themselves off, Colby begins yelling at them. Are you kidding me? I am not a little girl. Stop treating me like a child. Next time on Host of Eden Season 2, Marion and her team travel to Egypt. While Covenant learns the intent of their primary suspect, they are finally able to confront the enemy. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com.